Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. (laughs) I think we could have church if our praise team would get excited. Please don't ever let anyone tell you that it is out of order to do what God's Word says we should do. The Bible says, clap your hands unto the Lord. All you people shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. I'm so glad to be a part of a shouting church. Yesterday, a a lady in this church said to me, she said, I am so thankful. Now, this is close. It may not be exactly verbatim, but she said, I am so glad to be in a church where men have submitted themselves to the Lord and have come to that place of leadership in the church. Now, we all thank God for all the women, for all your talents, for what you do, and thank God for women who have kept the church going when men would not. But it is, yes, but it is God's ideal. This is his plan for men to lead the way. And so we're going to do something again this morning that we do often. I'd like for all the men here today who would like to bow at the altar to come and join me here as we bow before the Lord. Andre, would you join me on stage, please? Just get as close as you can. If you can't make it all the way down the aisles, we'll just kneel in the aisles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe with all my heart when men humble themselves and get before the Lord and go after the Lord, God starts blessing in a very, very special way. Andre White will lead us in our prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us the way you do. We thank you for being here. We thank you, Lord, that as we gather together as your children, that you meet us here. Yes, Lord. Father, all of us, we come together in one accord, calling upon your holy presence. Lord, there are those who are broken that need healing. There are those who are fearful that need encouragement. Father, we invite you to do what only you can do. Father, speak through my brother, Use him to deliver your word. Let your presence bring healing and restoration to those who deeply need it. Yes, Lord. And that your name will be glorified. Yes, Lord. Are. We receive your love and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Yeah.
I don't know if you're close enough to hear it, but I hear a lot of moans and groans <laughs> and bones cracking as these men get off their knees. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, receiving mercy, receiving mercy. Now, this will be part one, uh, and it'll be a subject I'll stay on for a while, but this is introductory, but receiving mercy. And I want to take you back uh, to the second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus, where Moses, the great man of God, made a request, and it's an amazing request. Here it is, Exodus thirty-three, eighteen. This is what Moses said, please, he's talking to God now, please show me your glory. I hope you've prayed that prayer at some point in your life. Man, that's a prayer we should all be praying. Show us your glory. We want to see more of your glory. We want to see outpourings of your glory, manifestations of the glory of God. But the most amazing thing to me about this request from Moses is not that he made it, but when he made it. Because Moses had seen, by this time, he had seen so much. The Bible tells us, uh, before this event, that he saw an angel in flaming fire. Man, that'd have to get your attention, wouldn't it? To see an angel in flaming fire. The Bible also tells us that he had a burning bush experience out of which God spoke to him and he heard the very voice of God. Wow, amazing. And then he saw this miracle almost beyond belief that an entire sea would split and there would be a wall of water on both sides and Moses and an entire nation would walk right through the sea on dry ground. I don't know about you, but I've never seen that kind of stuff. M Moses saw manna bread from heaven come down and feed a nation. At a critical time in the life of the nation when they were out in the desert, out in the wilderness, and they had no water, and, and life and death was at stake, Moses obeyed God and saw water come from a rock. And I'm not talking about a little bit of water. I'm talking about enough water to satisfy the thirst of hundreds of thousands, upward to a million people, drank from the water that came out of that rock. He saw some stuff, didn't he? And maybe even above and beyond all of that, on one occasion, God called Moses and said, come up to the mountain. The Bible refers to it as the mountain of God. Come up to the mountain. I want to talk to you, Moses. And, and this is what the Bible says in Exodus 24:10. It says, he, talking about Moses, now, there were others with him, but this was specifically about Moses. He saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. Moses, somehow, some way, these are heavenly things. We can't figure it out, but Moses somehow, some way, walked on the pavement of heaven. <laughs> 
Moses met with God in an extraterrestrial setting. Moses had some experiences. All this happened before he said, please show me your glory. Now, I think it's safe to say that Moses had seen more than any other man alive had ever seen. I don't think anybody had ever seen all these things. And yet here he is saying, God, please show me your glory. I want to see your glory. Now, that causes me to ask this question, what on earth could be more glorious than what he'd already seen? My goodness. Show me your glory. Hadn't he seen the glory of God? Hadn't it been evident all around him? Yes, but he wanted to see more, more of the glory of God. Now, I want to just pause right here before I tell you what God said to him and how God responded to all this to tell you that God is pleased when we want more glory. I don't know about you, but I am a blessed, happy, unsatisfied Christian. I want more. I'm not ashamed to tell you, I want more. Those of you who have heard me talk about the Brownsville revival, and those of you who were there will remember this, that in that revival out of which this church was birthed, when it was prayer time, at the conclusion of the service, you could hear this word echoing through the whole house on a regular basis, more, more. Steve Hill would walk around that building. Pastor John Kilpatrick would walk around and they would lay hands on people and they would say, more, Lord, give him more, give her more, touch her, Lord. And I'm glad because people went to that revival because they wanted more. I went to that revival because I wanted more. The very revival existed because a church wanted more. They were not satisfied with where they were with God. They wanted more. Oh, friends, don't you understand? Our God is not a God of thus far and no more. Our God is a God of thus far and there's much, much, much more. He can always take us to a higher place. He can always give us more revelation. He can always show more glory. And so I I just want to tell you, oh, I love this passage of Scripture. And you know something else that's amazing about it? And that is that God didn't get upset with Moses. He didn't say to Moses, what do you mean? Look at everything I've done. Look at all that you've seen. No, God didn't get upset with Moses. God wasn't angry with him. In fact, if anything, God was pleased with him that he wanted more. And so this is how God responds. And, and I'm, I know I'm paraphrasing now, but basically what God said, okay, Moses, if you want more, I'll give you more. It's my deep heartfelt belief that you'll never have more until you want more and until you ask for more. But l- listen to Exodus thirty-three nineteen, And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Now, God is talking to Moses. This is after the request. I'll make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will 
show mercy on whom I will show mercy. That's it? Is that it? Is that more glory than what he had seen? Angels and burning bushes and, and, and unbelievable miracles and things that no man had ever seen. And yet God says, okay, if you want to see more of my glory, here it is. I'm going to let you see some of my goodness. I'm going to proclaim my name. And then Moses, this is my glory. I have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And I have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Now, I just got to tell you, friends, if you can wrap your brain around this, you think we've had a praise the Lord, hallelujah, shout in service. We can, ha- we can have a service here. But because mercy is what God says demonstrates his glory. When he pours his mercy out. Now, uh, one uh, theologian wrote these words. He said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy means God's freedom to demonstrate mercy is not limited by anything but his own divine choice. God does not show mercy because humans deserve it. The Lord's favor cannot be earned by status, social class, or works of righteousness. Otherwise, it would not be. It wouldn't be mercy. Oh, I, I have a story in my files. I've probably used it for 30 years, but I, I still love this story. A mother once approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son. The emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice and justice demanded death. But I don't ask for justice, the mother explained. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, Napoleon cried. Sir, the woman cried. It would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. And the story goes that Napoleon said, well, then I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. I don't mean to offend you this morning. I just have to tell you the truth. There's not one person in this house or listening to the sound of my voice who deserves mercy. You understand? That would be impossible. If you deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. And and you and I need mercy. We need mercy. And, and, And don't miss this now. We're talking about glory Show me your glory. And God says, okay, I'm going to talk to you about mercy. You see what, what, Mo, what God was doing is he was saying to Moses that my glory, the greater aspect of my glory, this is greater than angels and epiphanies and all that kind of stuff. The greater aspect of my glory is that I have mercy on people who don't deserve it. That's the greatest glory you'll ever experience. That's the greatest glory I'll ever experience. Surely we have seen the glory of God. Uh, We've seen glimpses of the glory of God as we've made our way through life. And, And we can behold the glory of God all around us. Even now, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows forth his handiwork. But the greater manifestation of the glory of God is when he gives somebody mercy who does not deserve it. Oh, 
That's shouting ground. That's better than angels. That's better than epiphanies. That's better than, than unbelievable miracles. That's better than encounters. It's better than anything else. The greatest aspect of God's glory is wrapped up in this fact. That he shares his glory with us by giving us mercy. You see, the greatest manifestation of God is the fact that he dispenses Mercy. Listen to me, someone. Maybe listen to me, everyone. When God shows you mercy, the greatest aspect of his glory has touched your life. I know you may, you may not think that about you, but what if we talked about your worst enemy? What if we talked about the person that hates you and has done more to hurt you and harm you? God can show them mercy. And by the way, he can do it because he's a sovereign God. All he does is choose to do it. I do believe with all my heart that someone here today will receive mercy. Not because you deserve it, but because God chooses to touch your life with his glory. Now, here's the question. If a sovereign God dispenses mercy and he does it because he chooses to do it, he's never beholding to us. We can never make him obligated to us. But if a sovereign God pours out mercy and compassion on those whom he chooses, here's the big question. Is there anything I can do? That's what you call divine timing. Is there anything I can do? Is there anything you can do that would cause a sovereign God to want to touch our lives with mercy? My family, our church. Is there anything you can do? If he's sovereign, is there anything we can do? And the answer to that is yes. There's all kinds of things we can do. And I'll be sharing many of these things with you in the days to come. But I just want you to understand right now that he is indeed a sovereign God and the dispensing of his mercy is at his discretion. But there are things that you and I can do to get God's attention and open the floodgates of his mercy. Recently, I've been reading my Bible with a new approach. After all these years, preaching and reading my Bible and teaching, I've been... I've been reading my Bible with this attitude. Show me, Lord, what I'm missing. Show me what I'm missing. And I want to tell you, start start praying that prayer and start reading your Bible like that. And you'll begin to see things that you're missing. And, and so on one hand, we've got the sovereignty of God who has mercy on whom he will have mercy. But on the other hand, the Bible is filled with things that will get God's attention things that we need, things that we have to have. If we even want to show up on God's radar, there are certain things we have to have. 
certain things we have to know, certain things we have to do. And I'll start with the biggest one of all. And, and, and there's no bypassing this. It's the first step. It's always the first step. There is no other step that you can take before you take this step. This is first, primary, foremost. Here it is. It's Jesus. Oh, my friends, it's Jesus. You, you see, Jesus said, no man can come to the Father except by me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come. You won't even show up on God's radar without Jesus. That's where you start. And it's pretty amazing. But when you choose to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you turn to the Lord, and you know in your heart you don't deserve his favor, goodness, grace, and mercy, but you turn to the Lord and you, you plead the blood of Jesus, knowing that he's your only hope, he's your only help, he's your only salvation, everything changes. I often quote that song, I was guilty with nothing to say and they were coming to take me away. But then a voice from heaven was heard that said, let him go, take me instead. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. Oh, friends, that's the gospel. That is the gospel. That's the good news. Broken, weak, no hope. It is through Jesus. I got to tell you, friends, When you meet Jesus and when he does what he does in your life and gives you mercy, you have run headlong into the glory of God. We had a, when I was growing up, there was a young man in our town, Sopchapi, and he was a wild man. He was crazy. I mean, legitimately crazy. And all you had to do is add just a little bit of alcohol or a little bit of drugs. And he took crazy to a level like I'd never seen before. He was a wild man. Uh, One night I saw him and he reminded me of, of the man at the tombs that was just couldn't be bound. I happened to be on the scene one night when they arrested him. He broke into the school to our, to our school there in Sopchapi. And he walked down the hallway of the school. Craziest thing. What would inspire somebody to do something like this other than a demon? He walked down that hallway and every room he went by, he would take his bare fist and break the windows out. Right and left. All the way down. It's a wonder he didn't bleed to death. There was a blood trail leading all the way down the hallway. When I saw him, he had ribbons of flesh hanging from his arms, acted as if he had no pain. This is just one story. He, He was a madman, a wild man, a crazy man. But one day, somebody thought that even a crazy man needs the gospel. And they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him 
And he asked the Lord to forgive him. If there's ever been a human being that didn't deserve it, none of us deserve it. He didn't deserve it more than most of us don't deserve it. He didn't deserve it, but he got on his knees and he prayed to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he got saved and he went all the way after God. And then the Lord put a call on his life and he started preaching the Bible. You know what I've just described? The mercy of God, but more. That's the glory of God. The glory that God can take somebody like that. Turn them around. Diane Gray and I spent a number of years right here in this church ministering to a young woman that was coming out of homosexuality. And I, let me just tell you something, friends. If you get too judgmental, uh, the gospel's for everybody. It's for everybody. You don't get to pick and choose who the good news gets to. And by the way, you don't get to pick and choose who God shows mercy to. And Diane, Diane and I worked with this young lady, and she was as sincere as the day is long, but she had been in the bondage of homosexuality. And through the grace and the mercy of God, she came out of that lifestyle and started ministering to women, helping them to come out of darkness and into the glorious light of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I've just described? Glory. Glory. Oh, that's better than any epiphany you'll ever see. That's glory. That's the glory of God that can take someone who's broken and captive and bound and set them free for his honor and glory. I have another glory story I want to tell you. It's mine. When I was growing up, some of you know me at a distance. Some of you will remember these days. When I was growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a home that went to church. The fact is, I grew up in a home that was a fussing, cussing, fighting, excuse my expression, but there's no way I can say it, a hell-raising home. Man, I, I, I tell you, there were nights I cried myself to sleep as a young boy. Because of the rage, because of the arguing, because of the fussing that was going on. And it was, it was tearing my heart out. I remember thinking, I wish I could just die. Oh, I, I'm going to stop right here and give you a mini sermon. Moms and dads, listen to me. When you decide to argue and fuss in front of your children... You might as well take a dagger and stab them in the heart. Oh, really? Really, you would be willing to sacrifice the future of your children on the altar of your anger. You'll sacrifice your children on the altar of your insistence to be right and to prove your point rather than do what God's word says. If I'm not talking to you, don't get mad. If I am talking to you, this is time for a shift change. Don't do that to your children. Oh, I heard it. It broke my heart. 
It broke my heart. And it's hard to believe what I'm about to tell you. But when I got to be an older teenager, I decided to do the same thing. I started drinking, playing around with a few drugs, running with the guys. I tried fighting, but that didn't work too well. I wasn't real good at the fighting part. (laughs) And then one glorious day, I asked this good-looking girl for a date. And she said yes to my amazement. And then not too long after that, she invited me to go to church. And I went to church with her. Now, this is my glory story. I'm telling you, I went to church with her. And when I went in the building, I could feel something. It was different. Be honest with me. Can't you feel something different when you're here this morning? And when you go to church, isn't there a difference in the atmosphere? I felt it. I heard them sing. I saw the the preacher. I heard him preach. And, and, and I didn't know what it was, but I knew I didn't want what I'd lived in. I knew I wanted something different. And somebody told me that if I'd pray a prayer, that God would have mercy on me. I was scared to death, but I did. I was 17 years old. I walked down that aisle. I got on my knees and I asked the Lord to have mercy on me. And friends, God touched me. Now listen to me because I don't want to seem holier than thou. I've made a lot of mistakes since then. I failed. I've said things and done things. I've had to get on my knees and ask God to forgive me of. But let me tell you something. From that day to this day, the mercy of God has never failed me. He's never failed me. He keeps bringing me back on course. And now I got to finish this story by telling you. Before my mom and dad left this world, I had the privilege of getting on my knees, one on one side, one on the other. And I led them in the sinner's prayer. And they prayed to receive Jesus. That's mercy. That's grace. That's glory. That's my glory story. Tell your story. Tell your story. Well, friends, I tell you, this is, this is absolutely beautiful. Jesus, that's the answer. John 3, 35 and 36 says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now, friends... And let's just leave that up for just a few minutes. Friends, there's no other way you can interpret that. You can either have the Son of God or you can have the wrath of God. And there are those who will try to convince you that there's some place in between. There is no place in between. You either have the Son of God or you can have the wrath of God. Jesus is the difference between mercy and And between wrath, if you want the mercy of God, just start with Jesus. I have a lot to say. This is just introductory, but I want to close by sharing with you some of the most important words you'll ever hear as long as you live. These words changed my life, and I've seen them change 
the lives of hundreds of people. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Notice, we've sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. There's none righteous. No, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all done that which was right in our own eyes. We're all in the same boat. We're all broken. We all need help. Every one of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there's another verse, Romans 5, 8, that says, but God commended or extended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that hard to believe? That while we were yet in our sins, he went to the cross and died for us. Not afterward, but before. And then Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages, that's what, we, that's what we deserve. That's what we earn. That's justice. You don't want justice. You want mercy. For the wages of sin is death. I tell people all the time that what I deserve is death and hell, but I didn't get death and hell. I got mercy. For the, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the gift he wants to give every one of us. That's what God wants to give us. And then Romans 6, 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. There is something absolutely beyond us. We can't understand it. We can't explain it. But when a sovereign God begins to tug at your heart, it's because he wants to give you mercy. When he's tugging at your heart. And in that same chapter, verse 37, it says, Jesus said, all that the father gives to me shall come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. I've had people tell me I can't come. I can't get right with God. And they may be right. But if the Holy Spirit is drawing you, it does not matter. Why? Because he's a sovereign God, right? And he gets to do whatever he wants to do. And if he wants to show you compassion, he'll show you compassion. And if he wants to give you mercy, he'll give you mercy. But it is so important to respond when the Holy Spirit is drawing you. And then Romans 10, beginning in verse 8 through 13, says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. It's close to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. And it's talking about the word of salvation. A lot of people think salvation is down at this altar or it's at some revival. Or No. Do you know where salvation is? Salvation is in your mouth. It's in your heart. But what saith that the word is nigh thee, close to thee, even in your mouth and in your heart, that if thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus and believe that he was raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. In other words, there are no secret disciples. You have to confess it publicly, unashamed of him. For the same Lord is rich unto all that call upon his name. Listen, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Those are the verses I heard, and I responded. Do you know why those verses are in the Bible? So that we would read them, so that we would believe them, and so that God could lead us to a place where he could pour out his mercy. I'm asking you, do you need mercy today? I'm asking you, when you leave this place today, are you absolutely sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven? I'm asking you to long, to start longing in your heart for the glory of God. And the greatest manifestation of that glory is when he touches you with his mercy. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you will bless right now. I pray, Father, that if there are those here who are not sure where they'd spend eternity, then I pray, Lord, that this morning will be a morning that will change everything. Lord, we as a church, we're praying for an outpouring of your glory. And now we know what it looks like. It looks like mercy falling on the hearts and minds and lives of those who don't deserve it, all of us. Lord, may we see your mercy today. Bless that souls will be saved, lives will be changed. And, and Father, if there are those who have drifted away from your dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that today they will return. And then, Father, I pray that you'll bless this series as we learn more and more about the things that get your attention and bring down your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.